Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. Everybody good, though? All right. Jesus still king? All right. That's what's up. Then let's do it. All right. So we're going to be this morning, we're going to be inside of Romans 1, and I'm probably going to be running through Romans 1, um, um, uh, Romans 1, 1 through 16, and we're going to basically, I'm going to be exegeting the scriptures. I never used that word ever, and so I'm just happy to use it today. Um, based on the way it's spelled, I like to call it exegeting it. So we're going to get it this morning. We're going to talk about the gospel and all that good stuff. Really, I just want to encourage y'all, especially before you come up here and speak, and um, you know, for whoever's moved on their heart to actually speak and share what God has actually been doing in their life over the past uh, month or so that while we've been in Lent. Um, and I picked this scripture right here because um, I was just praying about what to preach about, and I really felt like God wanted me to lead towards faith and encouraging y'all about faith, because when I think about Lent and even stepping into a, um, stepping into a, um, a fast, it takes faith to do that. You know what I'm saying? It takes faith in God. It's a statement that says that I believe in God, I believe in what he's doing, and I believe this is actually beneficial, because a brother like me, I'm not trying to stop eating Cinnabons for anybody. If I stop eating Cinnabons, you know it's serious. So it says something must be mesmerizing about the Lord for us to do that. So anyway, Romans 1, and stick close to this scripture because I'm just going to go piece by piece through it. And I'm actually going to try to do it really fast so we have time on the back end um, to really do the, um, to do the uh, evidence of grace. So let me pray real fast before we start. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just praise you. I thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for um, people of God that you brought here this morning. Um, I thank you, Father, for our family in this church, just all the members that are dedicated to the work that you've called us to do through the Ville Church. Father, we thank you for all the other churches in the city this morning that are preaching the gospel and doing it in faith and um, praying for people's hearts to be open and to receive you this morning, praying for people to be encouraged more in what you've called us to do. Um, so, Father, I just pray that um, you give me, you empower me to be able to preach your word um, in truth and um, for your glory. So I pray that you would move me out of the way um, for you to speak to your people. And, and, and uh, we leave the result in your hands, Father Lord. But we pray that people's lives will be um, impacted and impacted by each other's testimonies today. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. All right, so verse 1, I'm going to jump in. All right, so it says, Paul... A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his, his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning Jesus. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Hold on, I'm having technical difficulties. Let me work it out. Brothers, a little challenge on some electronics. I'm good. All right. All right, bet. So, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I had to fix that among because my wife was going to get on me. I do it every time, all right? So let's just go back through this, whatever. So Paul, in the very beginning, he's writing, this, he's writing to his people, right? First thing he does, 
he identifies himself. He says, Paul, a servant, right? A servant of Christ Jesus. What he's doing is he's giving us a word that anybody who calls himself a believer, you're a servant of Christ Jesus. Some, of, some other texts actually say, I'm a slave in this particular scripture. Other translations say slave. So he's basically saying, um, I am enslaved to the gospel of Christ. It controls me. I'm compelled by it. I live for it, right? Because of what it does to me or whatever. So he's saying I'm a servant. And he's speaking corporately to all of us in that. And when he's making that declaration. And what I mean by that, that he's speaking to all of us. Paul is writing this letter. And he wants the reader to hear him talk about himself. And, but he's actually hoping that the framework of what he's saying speaks to all believers, that we would take it and adopt it. So before we even go into it, I'm going to ask you, actually, when you're listening to this and Paul is talking about himself, think of yourself. Think of your Christian walk when you think of why you are called, what it is you're called to, who you are in Christ. Take from this story, like glean from it. That's what he's hoping the, the reader is going to do, right? So first thing he says, he says, so Paul is serving of Christ Jesus, and he says, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Hey, fellas, will y'all hit that clock for me real quick? About to do the quickest sermon on earth. Got to make sure it's right. All right, so he says, I'm called and I'm set apart. Those are two very big things. Um, When a lot of y'all actually, um, when we start talking about membership in the church, one of the specific words I used with y'all was, don't come to this church because you just like it. Um, unless you're just in the dating phase, that's, that's cool or whatever. But it's like, a, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Girls know what I'm talking about. Don't come propose to me unless you feel called to this because it's going to be a journey. You get where I'm coming from? Like, you know, if we're just in the dating phase, you can survey the land and see what's going on. But when it's time to get to it, you better know that you know what it is or whatever, right? And so Paul is saying, I'm called. What is he called to? He's called to be an apostle. So he's letting them know his position, what he actually does functionally within the body of Christ. And he says, I'm set apart. What is he set apart for? He's set apart for the gospel of God. I'm going to be asking a whole bunch of questions, so if you're in your word, you can actually respond. We'll never do stuff like that here, so we can just try it out. You know what I'm saying? So he's called. Who's, what is he called to? Nobody caught it. I'm trying to do some new things. Work with me, man. All right? So he's called to be apostle, and he's set apart for the gospel of God. I want you to hear that because I feel like the rest of this text, he spends working out what that call thing is and set apart. And anybody who's a Christian needs to understand what that actually is, what it is to be called and what it is to be set apart. It's pivotal and it's foundational for your walk as a believer. But what I was saying earlier when I asked you about becoming members in the church, I said, don't actually join this church unless you feel called to it because it's a peculiar mission. It's no better than anybody else's mission, but it is a different mission. And you need to know you're called before you step into it, right? Because if you know you're called into something, like I hate when I'm counseling somebody and they're talking about it may be some rough, a rough road in their marriage, right? But they move like it's movable. They already, they went into the marriage thinking it was movable. It's not doing what I wanted to do, so I'm going to go. Or he's not moving how I wanted to go, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. But when you're called to something and you're setting that, it's like whether there's bumps and all of this stuff, you know it's a part of the process, but you know you're called so you don't run off. You get where I'm coming from? There was times in this church where I wanted to actually run off, where it got really hard. But the fact of the matter is I know that I'm called. So it set me up to just ride with the punches, even though it hurt a little bit, even though it didn't always feel good. Y'all get where I'm coming from? 
That's, I want you all to really understand why that word is actually called. And here's the thing. When you're called and you pair that up with being set apart, it's important for you to know because being set apart means that you understand you're different. You get where I'm coming from? When I first became a believer, all my friends were partying and doing their thing, and it was killing me so bad because it's all I knew to do. But I had to sit home, but I knew that God was telling me, you I've set you apart for something. That was it. It was grievous. It hurt me to my bones because I didn't seem to fit in no more. Even when I slipped, I'm like, you know what, we're going to party tonight. I show up, and I be the biggest cornball in there. Brother can't get the two-step right no more. I'm like trying to get my dance. It ain't working no more. I just set apart. I'm like, God, you done messed my whole game up. I can't even go back to the streets no more. Like, he done set us apart. You know what I'm saying? And for what? For the gospel of God is what he's saying right there, right? And so why, right? So why does he set us apart? He says, for the gospel of God in verse 2, he says, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So I just want to bring that back around to you real quick or whatever. The gospel of God has been promised, and that's what Paul is saying here. He said it through the prophets. He said this was going to happen. And being called, the called people and the people set apart to deliver the good news and preach the good news, that's something that was already put in place beforehand. That's what he's saying. It's been promised. God is this, he's already promised he's going to actually do this work. That word promise is really big because Paul is going to take you on a walk that leads you to your faith being rooted in what we're talking about right here, right? So then verse 3 gets specific and he says, he says, concerning his son. And so now he starts to build up who Jesus is to us, right? He says, concerning his son, which was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. If you were here last week when we were talking about Easter, one of the things we talked about was the resurrection, right? We were celebrating the resurrection last week. And... What Paul is saying right here is basically what we were talking about. Through the resurrection, um, let me say it like this. In the beginning of that scripture, it talks about Jesus coming from flesh, right? It says, according to the flesh. He was, it says, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So he was actually birthed of mankind, right? He's birthed of mankind. And he says, then he was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by what? By his resurrection from the dead. I just want to make that point because we preached it last week. The resurrection is significant because it makes him not, he's not just a regular man. He's the son of God. Y'all with me on that? All right. That's good news, y'all. Like I said, if he resurrected, we're going to resurrect. All right. So spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. All right. So when it says grace in that scripture, what he's talking about is saying that God has empowered us with salvation and resourced us with himself through the Holy Spirit. Um, and when he says apostleship, he's saying like apostleship means sent one. Earlier when Paul said apostle, he was talking about his office and position as an apostle. As an apostle. But apostle, uh, being apostle means that you're a sent one. So generally speaking, it means that you're sent that you're called or you're set apart. Are y'all with me on that? So what you have to realize is that Paul is trying to, like, hit you with your identity. The people he's writing to, he's trying to let them know who they really are in Christ or whatever, right? So I'll say it like this right here. So I got a partner or whatever. Uh, my man, I call him T. Greasy, all right? And so 
I've known him since we were super young, and we just have been straight, just scumballs together, right? And so he calls me. He's a little extra hyper. He's very hyper, all right? And so whenever he calls me on the phone, he's always screaming. And so I pick up the phone or whatever every time, I'm like, yo, Greasy, what's up, brother? Yo, Jay. Jay, you's a gangster, bro. Yo, man. Yo, God is all over you, bro. You know what I'm saying? I see the Lord, man. I see Jesus on you, man. You know what I'm saying? You need to stay faithful, Jay. You know what, Jay? Don't you ever play around with your wife, man. Don't you ever do it. And, he, and I'm like, man, you know, thank you, T. Thank you, T. You know, like, I appreciate it, brother. You know, I'm just a regular man. I need Jesus. He's like, shut your mouth, man. Shut your mouth. It's a gangster in the Lord. The Lord is doing things with you, Jay. We watching you out here. And like, that's the phone call. Every call. And then I start trying to preach to him about getting right. Then he'd be like, I got to go. Bye. That's, that's been our rotation. I'm t- I promise you, like, eight years straight or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, for real. It's always like that. But it's encouraging. That's he calls to encourage me for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's really... He's not playing around. He's being intentional about it. He's calling the, like, yo, man, I'm reminding you who you are. You know what I'm saying? I'm reminding you you have a mission. Don't let nothing block you off or whatever. Don't get caught up. Don't mess with your family. Don't do anything like that. Keep it on point. God is doing something. That's what Paul is writing about here, right? So I want you to see yourself in that. I want you to understand why that's happening and what's happening in the midst of this. You're in this, right? So in verse 5 continues, right? He says, he says, though we, he says, um, through whom we have, after he says, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith, right? Obedience of faith. And why? It says, for the, for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying that your faith or your obedience to faith brings glory to God and testifies to who he is, right? And who he is is in verse 3, he's the son of God. So when he adds this part at the very end of that scripture, when he says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, he's trying to tell them that you're actually in the middle of this crazy thing right now that's rooted in Christ Jesus. Like he's saying, this man who wasn't really a man came and died to bring glory to the true and living God. Paul thinks this is the most biggest, amazing news ever. Do you understand? When we hear it, and because we're bound in this flesh, we can't always appreciate what's being said right there. But he's telling him one of the most magnificent things that could ever fall on man's ears. Not just the good news of Jesus Christ, but actually that they're actually painted in the picture. Do you get where I'm coming from? That we're actually in the picture. And he's saying my position and my calling, the fact that I'm called and the fact that I'm set apart for the gospel of God. And then when he's talking a little bit later on, he says through whom we, he starts including Everybody inside of this thing or whatever, he said, we're called to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to, and called to belong to Jesus Christ. You get the picture he's painting, right? He's telling them like, yo, he's called to like get them hype. He's called to do a T-greasy on them. 
It's like, yo, y'all are gangsters. Y'all are gospel gangsters. Y'all are called to bring glory to God throughout the nations, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, my, my job is to bring y'all to obedience to faith. And I wanna, we're going to work out what that actually means to be obedient to faith also, right? So let's focus on this faith. I want you to be encouraged because we're about to share evidences of grace concerning this fast. And, and you wouldn't have never committed to this fast unless you were going to do it by faith. So I think this is relevant for it. And verse 7, he says, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, for I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So what is he saying right there? He's saying that his audience is actually a physical manifestation of God's faithfulness of what he just said in verse 4 and 5, right? Because he said, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among, um, among all nations, all right? Among all nations, right? And then we see him right here. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. <coughs> you get how that connects? So first he tells them what the mission is, what they're called through, called to, how they're called to bring glory to God in all the nations. Then he says, you know, I thank God for you because y'all are actually doing it. Do you get what I'm saying? In other words, their works and their faith is kicking up so much dust. Paul is not with them. He's writing a letter. He says, like, yo, everybody's talking about what God is doing through y'all in the street. He's being glorified. You get where I'm coming from? That's what he's saying to them. That's what I, I'm reading this to you because, man, I pray, and I think it's the position of any Christian that we actually want to see that happen amongst our brothers and sisters and amongst the body of Christ, Right? That it kicks so much dust up that the whole world is looking at it. Like, who's this Jesus they're talking about? You understand what I mean? And that's what he's telling them, right? In verse 9, he says this. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now listen to verse 12. He says, that is that we may, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul is basically saying, and this is why we're doing evidence of grace. I read that part right there and I was like, I'm preaching this today, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul is saying, I yearn to see you. So when we see each other, we can trade stories on how awesome God is and enrich each other, right? And so, and I'm going to bring that whole point back. When we, when we jump back up and we look at where he said, obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Among all the nations, right? Obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. And then here we see him saying, then he said in verse 8, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. And then in verse 12 he says, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faiths, faith. What's happening, if you see the whole picture that's being painted right there, it's really, really important because it's putting an exclamation point on how important our faith is um, in the body of Christ, right? It's super important because it actually speaks and it broadcasts the glory of God to the nations, right? And then it also broadcasts the glory of God to each other 
to us, to each of us relationally, right? So he's saying, I want to see you because my faith is enlarged, is, 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 is enlarged when I'm running with you and I hear what God is doing with you. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? So it's like when I'm going through something, I call somebody or whatever, and I don't like to talk to nobody that's depressed when I'm in a bad place. I want to talk to, I want to, talk to T. Greasy. That's who I want to talk to. You feel what I'm saying? I want to talk to somebody who's going to be like, that's going to point me to God's word, the mission he's called me to, and remind me that when it's hard and things seem bad and I feel down in the dumps and I'm not reaching this level of excellence that I dream of every day that I think makes me good with God, and I've actually forgot about his grace and mercy and started working on doing my thing, I need somebody to point me to Jesus Christ. I need them to testify about how they see him working in their life, and he's true, and it can be trusted and stood on, and then get me infected with it. I want to catch somebody who's on fire to put the flame on me. You know what I mean? That's what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ, because the fact of the matter is we front a whole lot. We walk around like everything's sweet and everything is not sweet. So the phone call some days when I call you, bro, what you doing? Ready to swan swan dive off the side of this building. How you doing? You know what I'm saying? It's like that sometimes, for real. You get where I'm coming from? Like, you call me or whatever, I'm trying to change a pamper, and then the boo-boo's transferring everywhere or whatever and all that, and you just like, I can't talk right now. It's, it gets bad. You get what I'm saying? I just be like, I can't do it. I can't do it at all. So we need to keep it real. And he's saying our faith, man, it sharpens each other. You get where I'm coming from? Our obedience to faith, it's pivotal in and, and letting the world see the smoke to his glory. You get where I'm coming from? He uses our faith. I'm going to skip over 13. I'll read through it really quick, but I'm not going to go through that. I'm not going to exegete that. All right? Verse 13, exegete it. I'm not going to exegete it. All right? So verse 13 says, I do not, he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you. But thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and the barbarians, but to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And in verse 16, and this is where we'll wrap it up, right? He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, he's talking about the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, listen to this right here, from faith to faith. So he's talking about this flame. It's a tap and go. It's a pay it forward thing. Our faith is infectious. It's the thing that keeps the body. Our faith in Jesus Christ, as we see the cross and we become, and, and, and our foundation gets stronger and stronger, the effect is that it empowers our brothers and sisters and empowers the mission of Christ because we're called to give glory to him, right? So he's bringing you through this whole thing, but he's trying to get to this faith thing, right? He says, so for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, right? Faith for what? Like faith is, is faith to faith. It's faith for salvation. It's faith to go forward, right? Your faith is producing and building more faith as glorious flashes of the righteousness of God is being revealed through his son, Jesus. That's what we're in the middle of. That's this amazing thing, right? This is where I want to encourage you at. This is where I really want you to take with you. Listen to this really, really well. Some of us 
have got used to surviving by faith, right? So what I mean by that is that we haven't switched over to knowing that Christ has secured us on all levels. So when the devil sends a tidal wave our way, even though it's out there and it's probably just going to turn to nothing as it gets close to the land, we see the tidal wave and we go to pieces and we question everything. We question God. You get where I'm coming from? And so what Paul is actually trying to encourage us in when he's talking about Christ and he's talking about the surety of who we are and what we're set apart to do, he's, he's, he's really telling them, like, listen, stop having this halfway in, halfway out type of faith. He's like, it's sure, you can bet everything on them. You can bet everything on them, right? You can, you can lay it on the line. If God tells you to take your whole 401k and empty it out and go give it to somebody you don't even know, if you know it's him, you can bet on it that there's going to be a glorious reason that's going to bring glory to him. And you will not look like a fool at the end of the day. You can bet on him. You can actually be risky, crazy, dangerous. You can be responsible. All of that stuff, all in the midst of hearing God telling you what to do. But... We get in these grooves where faith for us is like, please, God, take care of me. Don't let anything overwhelm me. That's a different thing when you're over here and you're like, what can overwhelm me? What can Satan do to me? What can he do? Kill me and send me to heaven? So you, it allows you to start getting crazy. You get where I'm coming from? I remember not too long ago when we were on a camping trip, we were talking about just some of the and men were in a group and we we're talking about being fatherless, like growing up without a father. And I remember we asked, um, we asked uh, there's a couple guys who had fathers there, and we said, yo, man, what was it like, you know what I'm saying, having a father in your house and like having a father be there? And I just remember very clearly one of the responses was, yo, I felt like I could do anything. I always had backing. Why not be crazy and brave? Why not, go, why not go try something new? You understand what I'm saying? I spent my whole life trying not to get overwhelmed because I didn't feel like I had backing. You get where I'm coming from? So I'm like, I ain't even play video games. Not because I wasn't really interested. I was scared to do anything. You understand what I'm telling you? But man, when you know daddy's up there and he got you, let's get crazy. What y'all want to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get crazy. And that's why he's painting a picture of the church from faith to faith. We're encouraging each other in Christ, in the gospel, because when we see Christ and believe that he is who he says he is, and this word says he is, then we, we're not going to be tiptoeing. We're going to be stomping on the devil's head. You get where I'm coming from? That's what Paul is doing right here. He's reminding them. He's doing a tea greasy on them, all right? And then at the end he says... He ends it by saying, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is going back to what I was saying about it being strengthened in the gospel and the cross. He's saying there's faith that, no, that condemnation no longer applies. So what the enemy is always trying to beset you with condemning you and telling you that you suck and you're a loser and you're no good and you'll never make it and all these other things or whatever and you'll never be good enough. The righteous shall live by faith. The way that you have the peace that he mentioned. In verse 7 he said, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The way he can actually say that as, and it not be an empty encouragement is because he's talking about living by faith. That's what the righteous do. The only reason 
I can go home at night and go to sleep and not be drowned in the depression of how bad I actually suck, right? People can say what they want to about Jay. When I look in the mirror, I know what it really, really is. And the only thing that will keep me going off of the deep end is the fact that I know by faith in Jesus Christ that he's already paid the price for me, right? He's already been beat and killed for being horrible and giving me his righteousness, right? We've already done a trade-off, right? So I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go. You're good to go as his child. You're good to go. He's paid the price for you. Faith means that he's with us in all things, trials and tribulations. He's making us rich, that even our trials and tribulations serve us and that they have to make us rich because God is doing, we, we are his children, right? And as we trust him and whether he walks us into the valley low or the valley high, he's going to get his glory because he's the king of kings and lord of lords, right? It's a beautiful statement. It doesn't mean much if your gospel, if, you, if your belief in Christ is not stable, so all of this stuff is not a fantasy of how we do some hyper-Jesus or hyper-religious type stuff. It's rooted in us actually believing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the promises that come with that. So, like, if you're looking to sharpen your faith up, you sharpen it by looking at the cross and believing the cross, right? That's where you center that energy around. And the fruit of it is that it causes us to walk in faith. It causes us to feel that we're secure in him and the promises of him. Philippians 4.11 says this, says, Paul says this, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hung hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I love this scripture right here because we're talking about faith, but here's the thing. Paul, what he's saying is that it's a learned thing. It's not a I'm a good thing. It's a learned thing for me to still hold on to Christ when I'm hungry and I'm suffering and to still hold on him when I got a pocket full of money and it's busting out the seams. Do you understand where I'm coming from? We are not good. You're not good with a bunch of money. And you're not good with no money. You're in bad shape. You are a lost sinner whether you're a base or you're bound. And only through Jesus Christ will you actually accomplish glorifying Christ whether you're a base or a bound. Right? So he's moving the legs from up under us, right? He's moving the legs from up under us, killing the confidence in ourselves, bringing back our faith back to Jesus Christ. Um, last week I told you, and I'm going to wrap up with this because I'm going over time. I told you about how Paul, he preaches like this because his heart is in peril. He's worried about the people of God getting it. I'm preaching this today because I'm worried about you not getting this understanding of faith, but even more, I know what God is going to do if we have faith and trust him and we encourage each other through faith. I know how he's going to be glorified, and I know that that is going to go out of these walls, and it's going to affect people's lives, and it's going to accomplish exactly what the word does, and it's going to be through faith. But a lack of faith is going to cause us to actually slander each other, be bitter towards each other, and it's going to undermine the work of Jesus Christ. That's why faith is so pivotal. Because you need faith to get past. Sometimes people are going to deserve a little slander. You're going to want to choke your brother and sister sometimes. But if you don't have faith that God is even faithful beyond that, then you're going to do the, you're going to do the wrong thing. You get what I'm saying? God is not afraid of any of the issues that get thrown at us, right? 
your faith is only as good as your belief in Jesus and what God has done, is doing, and will do. The past, past, present, future, and eternal work. The work of God is through his son. That The work of God through his son is sure. And he backed it up by actually putting his own son on the cross. That's how sure the word that we preach is, right? If I put my son on the line, you better believe it's something real. You get where I'm coming from? And we ain't just talking about a son. We're talking about king of kings, lord of lords on the cross for the sins of wretched people. If you make that type of gamble, which none of us will ever be able to comprehend, then you know that you can bet everything on it. And so put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's my message for the day. <clears throat> All right. So we're about to do evidences of grace, or evidence of grace, whatever. My wife got me so messed up, I can't even talk anymore. All this grammatical talk at the house. English class flashbacks, it's a mess. All right. So y'all ready? Anybody who's ready, just come up and grab the mic. Come up and encourage the church if you've been, you know what I'm saying, if... Uh, Throughout Lent, you know what I'm saying? God has been just a blessing to you, and he's been showing you some things, and you've been being enriched. Come up here and actually uh, set us all on fire with your testimony. And uh, let's try to keep it to about two or three minutes. Come on, brother. Yeah, come grab the mic. You're good to go. Let's try to keep it about two or three minutes so everybody can say what they need to say. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. God, please forgive me if I mess this up. I'm going to ask you to try and find the words just to be... God, you are my witness. Glory be to God. On March 10th, God had me read Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, I'll let you read the verse for yourself. It's um, the King James Bible online.org. Hebrews 12 too. On March 10th, God had me read that verse on March 11th on my brother's birthday. He had me get in the car from West Palm Beach, Florida and drive up to a destination I did not know. I found myself in Jacksonville, Florida. I did some work for God and then he led me on a path after he told me a new leaf. I found myself at the homeless shelter at Salzburger. My faith in Jesus teaches me to fish for men, not animals. I found a big fish at the homeless shelter. Forgive me, gentlemen, ladies, but I'd like to identify the individual. His name is Scott Shepherd. He has worked very, very hard on his faith. He has endured a hard life. Tomorrow he's leaving us and he is returning to his family at 9.30 a.m. I ask the community, this church, to please play for this individual. He's in a yellow shirt, sitting back there, and he's going to be with his mom, whose name is Sheila, and his sister, whose name is Kim. I ask this church to also pray for Mark, a gentleman in a red shirt. 
His sister is passing away from cancer and he is dealing with a lot of issues. There are a number of individuals at the homeless shelter who are suffering. They have faith in God and they pray a lot and they ask for guidance as much as they can. It's not about giving to them, it's about listening to them and truly finding out what it is that they need. I will speak privately with Ina about an individual that needs help at the center, and I'd like to keep that private and away from the Ville Church at this time, okay? I'd like to conclude and just say thank you very much for allowing me into your church. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you, Heather, for bringing me here. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for giving me a Bible, a whole Bible, and not just the New Testament. And I would just like to say, I renounced God at the age of six when my father was murdered. I had a very, very strong relationship with Jesus until I was about 20, and then I lost Jesus because I came to America, and the path got wide instead of narrow in my life. I was fortunate enough to meet some people Forgive me if this is going over three minutes. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet some, some salt-of-the-earth people in my life that brought me back to God in a very, very difficult time in my life. I was on my knees with a Bible, constantly praying for guidance. And I want to just be a witness for God to say that it works. If you pray and you ask, from here instead of from here, it works. Thank you, God, and glory be to you. Amen. Amen. I testify about my life. I like to thank God for um, like health and strength. Son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and for being with me through all my trial and tribulations and everything I go through in life. Like thank you for um for having ears to hear. You know, when I um pray or talk, for having eyes and see, see everything I'm in, situations and everything like that. Like thank God for, you know, y'all being here, you know, in the church, they tell the word, words of comfort and everything like that. Like thank God for um, for running everything according to how he wanted to be ran. You know, I don't know if it's a testimony service or not, but my TIG, you know, thank you for everything they doing for me, like for real. You know, I like to thank him for being in other churches and watching over them how they been ran according to his word. You know, and being out here in these streets, you know, and keeping everything, you know, according to how, you know, the measures of people how they I want to be protected and everything. Fuck, it's good.
Sorry if I messed this up. I hate speaking in front of people, but I felt led since last month to get up here and say something. A lot of things have been going through my life right now that I need to express, and I sorry, I'm sorry if I go over three minutes. At a young age, at a young age, I uh, accepted my faith, five or six. Um, I, my previous church was Trinity. Uh, now I go here, but <laughs> thanks. Um, I accepted my faith as a young age, at a young age, and I, I do believe that, but it wasn't through, it wasn't until now through several experiences through my life that I realized that I am truly fa um, saved. I'm shaking. Um, at the age of like 13 or 14, uh, 13 or 14, I was with my dad in Missouri. Um, at that time, I could have died right then and there. We got in a tragic accident um, that hit my side. I was in the passenger side. There's... I can't explain how I survived that experience. 15 seconds turned into 30 minutes. A car was coming at me at 45 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, and I watched the experience the, all the, the entire time till it hit our car. I watched the car all the way up till it hit me, and I can't explain how I did it. Any person in the right mind would look at that car and try to scream and say something, but I felt this peace it's hard to explain, but I watched that car coming up, and I accepted it. Not that I was going to die, but that there was more. That this, we go through life, and they say that there's an event that shakes your faith that you look back on, and that was my time. I watched that car. It was a black car. It came up. It, was, it didn't try to swerve. It didn't try to stop. It was meant to hit our car. I watched that car all the way up till it hit, and all I had to do is look over at my dad, who didn't see it. He was look, he was messing with the radio. If I said one word, that car would have hit my hit the the passenger side, and I would have died. I watched that car hit till it hit. It hit the it hit the t the tire right in front, pushed the car two ta two lanes before, totaled the car. I ignored that that time. Anytime I'm shaken in my faith, I look back on that time and I appreciate it that I didn't die, but I needed that. Through some life experiences now. Sorry, I forgot what I was trying to say. I would forget about that time and um, I look back on it now and I appreciate it. But we go through life, especially me being at a young age, I'm 19 now, that happened when I was like 13 or 14. Um, I've gone through life, especially being young, being a millennial, being a guy, and just trying to go through life, doing everything on my own. For the longest time I have believed that. Um, so I tried to do everything on my own. I wanted, I knew I was saved, but I stayed away from that. I, I, it was a cover-up. 
is an ident or a identity that I wanted to have but I didn't, and I try to do everything. I try to figure out my career. I try to figure out how I'm going to do in life, money, financially, um, car. Like I needed a new car. It wasn't until one day I broke down and I said, "I need help. I can't do this on my own anymore." The song that we sing here in church. I can't remember the title, but saying we can't do it on our own, that we need to look to him. And that, that day, I remember praying, and literally the next day, God gave me a car. God gave me my plan for my future and gave me a purpose. After or several, a month or two before that, I was going through a deep um, and dark time in my life. In December, I went through another tragedy this past December, I went through another tragedy. Don't want to really explain it right now, but let's just say I found my identity and in another person. And whenever that left, I was crushed. I didn't know who I was. I came here to the Ville one time. It was, it was after this experience, but it was after I started coming here regularly. But I was still in a deep time in my life that I was fake on the outside, but I bottle everything up. God allowed, I, I explain it like a Job experience, it sounds weird, but God allowed the, a dark presence to come into my life, which shook me. I went home from the Ville, driving home to see my parents, because I hang out with my parents on Sundays after church. We go out to eat. But from driving here to there, I literally lost what I was doing in life. Um, that dark presence convinced me that there was no need to live anymore. Um, there's no purpose. I didn't try anything. I'm glad I didn't. But God allowed that in my life so that it would change me to become a better person. I believe it has. I came out of that experience so that I can talk about it to other people. We try to hide things like that. And since last month, um, God kept me up on Sunday morning until 5 in the morning. I couldn't sleep saying that I need to get up here and say that. That we go through life and we, we hide everything. But those are the things that change us, that make us who we are. And I'm thankful for that. And... If it wasn't for that day and I overcame it, it was a couple Sundays later to, that I went to two other churches, my cousin's church and then my home church. That was the day I gave my life back over to God and have pursued him with a fire that I've never had before. And I've always wanted that. That is it. How's it going? <laughs> um, so anybody who knows me, it's impossible for me to tell my whole testimony within like three minutes. So, <laughs> um, so if you want to know more, just come talk to me. But uh, I'll share a few minor details. Um, so I was uh, about nine years old, and my dad had split from my mom. 
so I, I grew up without a without a dad. <laughs> um, and the reason I mention that is because it played like a a very critical part in me giving my life to Jesus. Um, I went to a church called South Point for a while, and uh, from nine years old up until that time, um, I didn't think about like my dad leaving or anything like that. Like me or my brother didn't discuss it. Um, but there's a, a sermon that was on like like how parents are supposed to be a mirror image of, of Christ. You know, they're supposed to teach their, their children how to walk in, in the Lord. And um, throughout the message, you know, I just, I realized my dad didn't do that. You know, he was not never there, but God was always there. Um, and uh, so at the end of the sermon, he, he, he did an altar call and said, if this and this is you, you know, like, come up here, raise your hand. And my heart was just, like pounding in my chest, I, I, I thought, you know, like, oh, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew I had to do it, so I went up there, and it was like me and seven other people, and um, uh, first he does a prayer for all of us, and then he turns to my friend Tyrell, and just starts praying for him specifically, and this was when I was first introduced to something called prophecy prayer, um, and I really didn't know what that was, so I thought, okay, he's just getting his own prayer, that's cool. Um, he turns to me, and and something just changed in me. Like I I could not speak, <laughs> and um, and he just started telling me about my life, like things I've done in the past, like how I've felt towards people. Um, he told me things about like my future, things that were to come, things that were present. And this wasn't like a fortune teller or anything, you know, because I mean. But I, I've never, I've never said a word to this guy. You know, I, I don't know him, and he's telling me all about my life, and uh, and one one big thing that he told me was that I, well, rather that God had used him to tell me because I, I truly felt like God was using this man to tell me these things, and and what he told me was, son, you have measured yourself to other people. You have measured yourself to your own sin. But you have been using the wrong measuring stick. I am your true measurement. I'm, I'm the, like, your worth comes from me and me alone. If I say you're valuable, you're valuable. And I said you were valuable 2,000 years ago when I gave my one and only son to rescue you. And he started going on just about how much of a treasure I was to him. And I crumbled. I, I was, like, my face was just watery, and it was kind of gross, <laughs> but, but it was unexplainable up until, you know, just, I really just thought about it, and, and it really was my first encounter with the living God, like, he was, at that point, he was much more than what's spoken of in church, or what I read in the Bible, you know, like, he was living, he was, he was there, right, right in front of me. I didn't, you know, see him or, or hear like some mighty voice, but he, it was him, and it forever changed my life. So, thank you.
Hi, family. I'm Sarah. Thank you guys so much for opening up the mic for us to share what God's been doing in our lives. Uh, I want to testify on what he's done just in this last month of Lent with me. Something specifically, I set aside social media during this time, and that consumed a lot of my time before (laughs) this month, and uh, I would just find myself going to that first thing in the morning and uh, spending time throughout the day. If I didn't have something to think about or someone to talk to, I would just look on social media and uh, I'd be on social media for hours a day, and uh, um, that was the first thing that God was like, in that quiet space that you have throughout your day when other things aren't coming and grabbing for your attention, I want you to be intentional to seek me, and uh, (laughs) it ended up being easy to set social media aside because that's something that doesn't bring a lot into my life. It's like a time filler. And during this time, God kept reminding me that he's given me this time for a purpose. And it's not just to do anything with it. Every moment is precious time that he wants to fill. In him, the fullness of life is found. And when we try to fill our time and energy with things that are less than him and seeking him first, we end up not knowing our identity or not knowing why we're here and that was happening to me. I was filling my time with something other than him, and he's number one. <laughs> and that I don't want to go back to social media, because every time that I seek him first in those quiet places, he comes and meets me. He's waiting there for us to seek him every moment in our relationships, and especially in the quiet place like it. That quiet place is where he loves to come and whisper sweet somethings to us about who we are and how he sees us, and he delights in me, (laughs) and he sees me as precious. He sees us as the apple of his eye, (laughs) and... (laughs) He just reminded me of that, that he's the greatest, and the social media is, <laughs> like, way down here on the totem pole in comparison to him. And um, one other thing, a scripture that stood out to me during this time was to wait on the Lord. David talks a lot about that, just waiting patiently on the Lord, and sometimes it's hard to be still. It's difficult to sit in the silence and wait for that whisper, but do wait because he's there to speak to you. Thank you.
How's church doing today? I got embarrassed a while ago, thanks to Piet, but I feel like I had to come up and say something. Um, the church has been beautiful to me since I've been here. The ladies, the young ladies that come pick us up, they are a blessing from God. And I'd like everybody to just keep them in prayer. And uh, I'm not going to go too long on this, but I am leaving tomorrow. I'm going home to see my family that I ain't seen in 20 years. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like my brother tells me all the time, he says, just, just take a little bit of time. Just like God gives you, just feed a little bit. Just give a little bit. Work with them. They'll work with you. So I just wanted to say that and say thank you to church for having me. Thank you very much. Uh, contrary to how it may look, I actually hate getting up here and doing this, but I do it every time. Uh, I don't know why I bother fighting God anymore. <laughs> Um, and normally I'm a very private person. I have a hard time even opening up at house party uh, and admitting to struggles uh, because like what Christian was talking about, it's a whole lot easier to rest in your pride and uh, just pretend everything's fine. Um, but you know, it's like the continuing saga of Emily because like I said, I've gotten up here every time like since I've been coming here. Um, I mean, you know, and I even get mad at Cheyenne, my roommate, because we go to house party together, and she'll talk about, like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have, like, 70 bucks in my bank account. And, like, last time I just hit her, and I was like, can you not talk about that? <laughs> and then afterwards she was like, why is that such a big deal to you? And I, I told her, well, because if you admit that you don't have money, sometimes that sounds like you're asking for money. And she was like, please, who are you kidding? No one in our house party has money. No one at the Ville has money. <laughs> And I was like, that's true. And she's like, it is totally fine for me to say I'm in debt because no one's going to be able to help us. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Okay, well, in these, in these social circumstances, it's probably fine. Um, <laughs> but it's still just like grates on me um, admitting to uh, problems or issues or needs. Um, but so evidence of grace. Uh, yeah, like every month... Um, you know, my car should have been repossessed by now, <laughs> but somehow every month I've uh, been able to make the car payment, um, and it's always like this panic mode towards the end of the month. It's setting in now, <laughs> and then uh, somehow the money is always there, like from a weird source. Like I sold a litter of puppies for a guy who does that, and he like gave me a commission for each puppy I sold. So I'm what a puppy broker? I don't know. <laughs> um, but just recently, uh, well, a couple months ago, I thought I had a heart attack, and I ended up on the ground in the worst pain of my life, really excruciating. And then uh, a couple of my friends kind of just looked at me like, why are you on the ground? And I couldn't talk for a while because it hurt so bad. Um, and then afterwards, I, I just had this vague memory of being helped back out to my car. And then afterwards, I, like being shocked that I was still alive. And then I thought, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd think I had a heart attack. But no, the past two cardiologists said my heart's fine. <laughs> but then a uh, weird story, went to look at renting a house, got bit by fleas, allergic reaction to fleas, none of the over-the-counter stuff helped. Had to go to a nurse practitioner at like a CVS pharmacy minute clinic after like scratching obnoxiously for like three weeks. 
And for some reason, she had, well, she was with me because she forced me to go, and she was like, you need to deal with this. Um, but the nurse practitioner, Cheyenne was talking to her and uh, kind of telling her my story again, not really with my consent because private person. And uh, the lady just said, uh, oh, it sounds like Vince metal angina. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and so it turns out I may have a really rare heart disease that doesn't normally show up um, on heart tests because it, it, it's rare, so they haven't even developed tests to find it. And it doesn't show up on imaging because it affects the smaller blood vessels, not the major arteries. So when I thought I had a heart attack, I probably did. <laughs> and uh, I'll be going to a third cardiologist um, in a couple of weeks to find out for sure. But uh, so I was kind of thinking, sitting there like, I could, I could die. This is a really interest. This is really interesting because I would be one in 144,000 people that have this. So would that make me special? But I could die, you know, because my brain is weird. And um, and then it just seemed like God was saying, "Not till I say so." Like you're, I've got stuff for you to do. You're not dying till I say so. And uh, I don't know. That's my evidence of grace, I guess. Just like, like maybe I'm looking death in the face and being like, "Huh, not today, sucker." But. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's just it. God's been taking care of me. Amen. First off, I want to say <clears throat> I want to say glory be unto God. Um, um, I want to thank Him for sustaining me every day, for waking me up. Um, for a long time, I was upset with God mad at him. Felt like I couldn't get through to him. Um, was married for eight years and lost two babies. Tore me up. Was hot with God every day. Didn't want to hear nothing. Was constantly quoting scriptures back to him. You know, um, faith is the substance of things unseen. Well, I'm kind of nervous. The point is, for a long time, I was upset Recently, God blessed me with a set of twins. And, you know, babies are remarkable. Kids are remarkable. Um, my baby was telling me the other day, she said, Daddy, she said, I speak Spanish. I said, you speak Spanish? <laughs> I said, oh, yo, I'm quito Espanol, niña. She says, well, Daddy, I learned the word caca. I said, baby, where you learn that at? She said, Dora the Explorer. I said, nah, baby, you didn't learn that on Dora the Explorer. She said, yes, I did, Daddy. Yes, I did. I said, well, baby, what word are you trying to say in English? She said, house. So I bust out laughing because I'm like, baby, that's casa. It's, not, it's casa. So she's like, Daddy, well, what was I saying all this time? I said, look, I don't even want to tell you, baby. And she's like, but I'm telling my friends they have a beautiful casa. <laughs> I'm laughing. But babies say, babies say the, the weirdest things, the funniest things. Um, and I, I give honor to God because my parents were there for me growing up. And they were the catalyst for me wanting to be in the lives of my babies. So I just say glory be unto God. I just thank God. Because without him, I wouldn't be able to get up in the morning. You know, some people didn't wake up this morning. Some people can't talk. Some people can't walk. Some people can't see. You know, so I got to thank God for all these things. Because when I look at them, I can say, you know, 
there, but for the grace of God, go I. You know, I ain't no better than them. You know, so once again, to reiterate what I said earlier, glory be unto God. Morning, everybody. How you doing? I've been in the cone for two years, right? Man, I wake up on the hospital on the floor. I'm like, man, where I'm at? Two years I've been in the cone. Bad luck. Somebody just stole my wheelchair. I'm like, man, it, it can't get no worse. My mama done died, auntie, everything. Stole my wheelchair. White dude got knocked up, called me a coon. I'm like, oh, man, can't get no worse than that. I was like, well, and I, and I bought him a bill. Straight up. I'm going to buy him another one when I get out of here. We finna get, we finna turn up. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm the same dude. You call the coon. Like, bro, call me something else. Man. Let me see that. grace of God, it's, it's going to be kind of hard to say this because it just honestly sounds like a made-up story if you're not a believer. About a year ago, well, first off, I never, I never grew up in church, pretty much done it all, should be dead or in prison for life right now. About a year ago, I woke up one Sunday morning, and when I woke up, I was in tears. I was crying. I, was, I just felt so ashamed of who I was for the first time. At the time, I was with a woman, and you know she was a good woman taking care of my kid, and I was just teeing, doing me, pretty much doing everything. I came to the church for the first time. A friend had been telling me about it forever. I came to church that morning. And it was it was a lot of people here, but I was in a bubble. And for the first, I always felt God, but for the first time, I actually, he was there. All I could do was pray, cry, and listen. Pray, cry, and listen. Um, after that, the next day, I was hanging out with this woman I was seeing at the time, and um, I went home about four in the morning. I was driving down that bridge, and I fell asleep. I fell asleep going down the bridge. Um, I woke up. I was this close to hitting the car. I was on the right side of it. I turned left. Now I'm just seeing my, I'm just trying to get in control of the car, and I'm just praying, like, I don't want to die finally get in control of the car, and when I do, police pass right by me. It was like they didn't even see it. I go home, I go to sleep. The next day, I went over to a friend's house. It was me, my brother, and two friends, and um, I was like, man, I almost died yesterday. Like, I woke up a second before hitting a car, and I heard this voice that said, you're gonna die. Like, I, I know what my conscience is, and I talk to myself all the time. 
but it wasn't me. It just it said a voice, you're going to die, and I got this sharp pain running down my back. And she she looked at me, and uh, <laughs> she seen that I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. I'm like, am I crazy? Like, I almost died yesterday going down that bridge. And she looked at me. She was like, come outside. She was like, you heard something. Then I'm like, yeah. I was like, he's just, he just, I heard a voice that I'm going to die. Like, I almost died yesterday. That's when I heard him say, save yourself, save yourself. You're going to die. Um, next next day after that, I, uh, I think I had called Jay. And um, we had went to this little coffee place. And it was kind of hard for me to tell him because he told me that God told him he was going to die. I'm like, man, I'm going to go to this man telling him he told me I'm going to die. And that's how he, he became a believer. But I went to him, I talked to him, he prayed for me, that God overwhelmed me. The next thing that happened after that, that was like my last proof I needed. Um, I was telling my grandma the next morning, I was like, Grandma, Grandma, like I went to church, I felt, I felt God for the first time. She's just like, boy, get out of my face. Y'all young people, always, you know, in like two weeks you'll be over it. As, as we're talking, she pulls her phone out, and this is just the unbelievable part. This sounds up, made up. She pulls her phone out, and her phone was blank. When she when she turned it on, it turned into a video, and I'm like, Grandma, Grandma, what is it? And she's like, oh, no, and it's just a funny video. When I looked at it, it was that morning, that Sunday morning when I woke up crying. It was the same sermon it was the same the same Sunday I came here. That was the video that popped up on her phone, where Jay was preaching. No, it was that. It wasn't Jay. It was um, what's his name? Matt. When Matt was here, Matt was preaching, and I'm like, Grandma, like, how you get this on your phone? My grandma doesn't even know English. We look. I uh, I look back. I look through the messages. We look through her timeline. We went to uh. The, the image at the time, Facebook page, it wasn't even there. Every every since that day, I have gave my my life to Jesus. I'm not perfect. I screw up all the time. But the only difference is, like, I see myself for who I am. I don't I don't, I don't lie to myself anymore. And I just want to thank God for letting me be here. Just let me be alive. And thank you. Hello, my name is Johnny. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I moved here in 89 with my mom. She had a lot of medical problems. Uh, she died in 2004, and uh, I had a nervous breakdown and got on drugs real bad, and God delivered me from that. And I discovered a passion to work with kids and youth in the community. So um, we do community service projects. I teach leadership, community service, volunteer, and... Uh, my goal is to try to keep the youth off the streets and keep them doing positive things, self-defense, first aid and CPR. We help them get jobs and certifications uh, when they turn 18 if they want to get into the security field. So working with kids is what's keeping me strong and away from drugs. Thank you, Jesus.
Good morning. Ooh, praise the Lord. Uh, God is good all the time. God is great. Uh, I'm not even a member of this church, so I know it's God. I'm up here. <laughs> um, um, well, my daughter comes here, and um, the reason why I came to visit, because they, they speak very, well, her and her boyfriend, they speak very highly of uh, Pastor Jay. And I was thinking, wow, you know, they speak highly of this man, and I want to come and see. So, actually, this is my second time here. Um, uh, I thank God. God is so good. I've been saved a while now. Um, I always say that when, when God want to talk to a family, he talked to the black sheep. <laughs> so, you know, I was a black sheep doing, you know, doing what I want to do in, in life. Um, I end up... Uh, and I don't blame my son's dad at all. I don't blame anybody, but I end up getting involved in drugs. But, you know, God is so good because God delivered me before I even got saved. You know, I was smoking crack and, and you know, doing what I wanted to do. And um, uh, I told God, I say, um, I was near about getting saved by then. That was in 88, 88. And so I told God, I said, you know, if I keep smoking crack, I'm not going to have anything. And um, from that day to this one, I had smoked crack since. And I give God glory. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, rehab places don't help. They do. But I know it was God. It wasn't me. But anyway... I wanted to come up and, and share my testimony, and I wanted to say I like how uh, Pastor Jay was talking about today to just shall live by faith, and he was saying how um, we've learned to survive on faith but not live by faith, and that blessed me, and I think somewhat I've learned to survive but not live by faith, and I like how he said that... Um, he said, if he put his son on the line, wow, that's awesome. If you put your son on the line, then it's real. And I know it's real, but it's, it's a blessing that you can come somewhere and that it um, strengthens your faith. So that really blessed me that he put his son on the line. And not only for me, but for you as well. So glory to God. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Can we give another uh, hand, please? I, um, I love when we do that because one of the things that happens with it, it, uh, it deals with my tendency to want to try to control, you know what I'm saying? And um, church is supposed to, it is what it is, straight up and down, you know what I'm saying? And um, and God is dealing with people and touching their lives in so many different ways. And we get to see the different aspect of how God is actually moving amongst us. Um, and with our different circumstances, just like the word we read today. Um, but through faith, through us um, being loved and believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we're all experiencing it 
him and God's glory is being revealed through him in so many different ways. So it's amazing to be encouraged by that. So I appreciate everybody who came up to speak. Um, and so let me just pray for us really fast, and then we're going to take communion together and, um, and worship a little bit. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you. We thank you, Father. Um, God, I thank you for everybody who came up to speak today, Father. And I thank you that they um, were just number one for being brave and just coming up to even testify to your goodness in their life, Father. Um, and so many people also identified actual struggles that they're currently dealing with and struggles that they've actually overcome. And even for us who didn't speak, there's so many things that we're wrestling with, Lord. I just pray, Father Lord, that the the declaration, Father Lord, of your goodness this morning and the faith that was exhibited, that we will all be empowered by that, Father Lord, that um, that would actually set us all aflame to deal with whatever um, hills and battles we have in front of us throughout this week, or even just things personally in our character we're fighting to overcome and be better at, Lord. Father Lord, help us to walk truly before you, Father Lord. Save us from becoming um, fake and fraudulent and doing any type of show for church. Um, God, we're not better than that. It's only by your grace that we'll be able to, um, to reflect you in truth. And so I pray that you uh, continue to gift us with that in this room and outside of these walls as we uh, live out what we're seeing. And um, so we just praise you and we thank you for that, Father Lord. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And we thank you, Father Lord, that we get to come together as family to take communion, Father Lord, that you've called us into your marvelous light and your word tells us to do this in remembrance of you. Your word says that your, 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 your body was broken, Father Lord, and you bled for us, Father Lord, to redeem us, Father. So, Father Lord, we take the bread as representation of your body and we drink the drink as represent, representation of your blood that flowed, Father Lord. You died and you resurrected, that our lives would be resurrected from the death that we all are in, Father Lord. The word of God says that all have fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. So we praise you and we thank you, Father Lord, that you have resurrected us from, our, from that death, Lord. And now we get to die to ourselves every day and live in you. Father, Lord, give us faith to be brave and be on the cutting edge of this thing you've called us to walk in and not go high and seek comfort, but that our comfort would be in you. Save me from having comfort in social media and to actually use that place to go farther and deeper with you. I pray that you would grant us by your grace um, for many of us in the room. So I just thank you for the words today, Father, Lord, and I thank you for our church. And Lord, as your children, we're now going to celebrate you being our Father, our Lord, and our Shepherd, and our Savior, and we're going to celebrate you and remember you through communion, Father, in Jesus' name we pray.